Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Guys, I want you to write this down. This is a very important statement. Write it down somewhere in your notes. It has to do with the issue of suffering. The reality is, is that, you know, some people will say to me, well, the Bible, what does it say about suffering? Why do we suffer? Well, the Bible doesn't come right out and tell you why you suffer. And here's the reason why. Here's what I want you to write down. The Bible doesn't tell you why you suffer. It assumes that you will. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible doesn't tell you why you suffer. It assumes that you will. See, suffering is not a strange thing to to the Old and New Testament. The fact that this world is filled with pain and heartache, and, and, and the fact that we struggle, and the fact that we go through difficult times, is not something that the Bible just says, oh, I wonder why that happens. There must be something wrong here. No, the Bible tells you things are wrong because of sin, and it just assumes that if you're going to live in this world... You're going to suffer. You're going to go through difficulty. You're going to go through hardship. It assumes that. So what it does then is is that the Bible, Old and New Testament, through all the various writers in the 66 books, is what it does is that it gives you, in the midst of your world of suffering, it gives you hope. It gives you something to cling to. It gives you something to live for. And, and I'll be honest with you, that's where a lot of us need to be, because I'll be honest with you, we get thrown for a loop when we go through a crisis, don't we? I mean, we, we forget. You know how, how we, we, we just forget, don't we? Because it, we've gone through many crises, have we not? We've gone through many difficulties. We've made it through. We, we're battle-scarred. But when the next one happens, it's like, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? I wasn't ready for that. And we're like blown away that something bad would happen. Like, I don't deserve this. First of all, nobody deserves it. It's the world we live in. Did you hear what I said? Nobody deserves it. It's the world we live in. Now, the issue is, is how are you going to live in it? Did you hear what I said? The issue of realizing the world that we live in and the difficulties of the world that we live in, the question is, is how are you going to live in it? How are you going to face it? What perspective are you going to have? So as we go through this series on really the struggle for joy, and it is a struggle, isn't it? The Christian life is a struggle. Paul is really reflecting on himself here in this first chapter and, and he's kind of giving you, remember last week we gave you a focus for life, a proper focus, and that is that we, we're to live for God. Well, now he's going to expand upon that even more, and, and, it, and that it, it permeates his whole perspective on how to live his life. So we're going to talk about how to live our lives, about having a, a transformed perspective. Because reality is, folks, you may have had a good week this week, but I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Something wrong may happen this week. 
Well, thanks, George. I really needed to hear that one. No, it's just reality. Do you know what I mean? It's just reality. I don't care how perfect you plan out your week. It's always going to get what? Messed up. But rather than it destroy you, and for a lot of us we get destroyed by it, don't we? It's the perspective that we have as we approach it. So let's look at what the apostle tells us his perspective was. So look with me. We're just going to look at verses 19 through 26 of chapter 1 in the letter to the Philippians. Look with me at what he says here. Now remember, as we read this, we're reading the letter of a guy who is in prison, who is not in the best of conditions, who is chained. Listen, they didn't just put him in a cell. He's chained to a pagan Roman guard. So no privacy. So notice what he says. Look with me at verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Through your prayer and the the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh... This will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. What we're going to look here, folks, is we're going to see about eight different things out of these verses that would give us Paul's perspective. And and can I be honest with you? As we look at his example, we're we're really going to talk about us readjusting our perspective. Because life is tough. Life is hard. And the question is, what are you living for? And I'm going to be honest with you. If you're living for yourself, you're only going to have what? Emptiness. You're never going to be satisfied. You're not going to be satisfied. So let's look here. Look and see what he says here. First thing I want you to notice is, is that he had confidence in the midst of his circumstances. Verse 19. He had confidence in the midst of his circumstances. Look at what he says here. I mean, this is amazing. The guy is in prison. He is waiting to appear before the ultimate judge at that time. Caesar. Nero who is not necessarily known for his justice, but is known for his brutality. He's facing the death penalty. And notice what he writes. This is the, this is optimism here, if you really think about what he's saying here. Notice what he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. What is he talking about? I know that this, what? His current situation, his difficulty, his struggle is going to turn out for his deliverance. Now, let's stop for a moment. When you and I read that, immediately our mind goes to the fact that deliverance there might mean he's going to be free. He's going to be released. He's going to be set free from all of his difficulty. And historically, that did happen. But he would be later 
taken back into captivity, and that time he would be martyred. But the word deliverance here doesn't necessarily assume freedom in a human sense. He's talking about that no matter what he's going through, it's ultimately going to result in his deliverance, I would say ultimately spiritually. Because if he dies, he'll face the ultimate deliverance, going to be with Jesus. See, that's a perspective, isn't it? He has confidence in his relationship with God, no matter what he's facing. Isn't that a good question to ask yourself? Because some of you are going through it. Some of you are see your world completely upside down. Hope is not even in your vocabulary right now. And the question remains, where's your confidence? Where's your confidence as you go through this? Is it in yourself? Well, you know, you might be good, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're not that good. And maybe you've handled other things, but you can't handle everything. And the reality is, is that, you know what? We're human. We mess up. We fail. And we don't always get out of it, do we? Is that not true? We don't always get out of our difficulty and our struggles and our problems. So I really can't put my confidence where? In myself. I mean, if you're realistic, if you're, if you're growing in maturity, if you're beginning to understand yourself, you gotta understand you can't put your confidence in yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the moment you do, you're setting yourself up for a problem. So you say, okay, George, who, who do I put my confidence in? God? Jesus? Because, you know, here, Paul's talking about that he, he's confident of his deliverance, because ultimately, who's in charge of his deliverance? Jesus. Because he's learned lessons in his life. You know, one of his earlier letters was to the Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians he says, you know, I'm going through this problem asking God three times to take it from me. First, 2 Corinthians 12. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not taking this problem away from you. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your what? Weakness. So here he is, from his perspective, Paul's perspective, he had confidence in the midst of his circumstances. Now here's why the source of his confidence. Here's what he's, he's, he's realizing why he can be confident in the midst of what he's going through. The source of his confidence was prayer and the Holy Spirit. Oh, so he prayed his way through it. No, 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 he didn't pray his way through it. Look at what the passage says there. Somebody else prayed. Look at verse 19. Through your prayer. You know, one of the things that we encourage and we take prayer requests, can I be honest with you, when we take prayer requests, like in Sunday school hour, or if somebody shares with you and says something like this, can you pray for me, I'm going through this. Can I be honest with you, that is not, it often turns out to be this way, but that's really not a Christian form of gossip. Although it's sometimes used that way. It's really not for your information, just for you to have it as information. When somebody says to you, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for my family. I want you to pray for this loved one who's struggling. It's not for your information, just simply for you to follow it away and say, oh, well, you know, did you know what I heard? I heard so-and-so said pray about that. You know, this is what's going on in their life. It's not for that reason. It's because they want you to do something. They want you to talk to God about it. They want you to pray. 
Did you understand? And Paul had people praying for him, and here's what happened. Because they were praying for him, he had confidence that no matter what's going to happen, he's going to be all right. Did you understand what I'm saying? There is a strength that happens when you're going through it and you hear that somebody is what? Praying for you. It's been about seven years ago. It was in the fall of 2007. I was I was really going through a, a low time at that point. Really was struggling. And came to the office. I, I hit the answering machine. I saw there was a message. And, and there was this guy who called and he uh, was in one of my doctoral classes when I was working on my doctorate, and uh, he, he called and said, "Hey, George, this is uh, this is John, and I was thinking about you today, and I want to let you know that for some reason you came to mind, and I'm praying for you." Now he was like several states away, and not somebody that I'm continually in contact with. Now let me tell you what that. I played it three times, and then I said, God, thank you. I'm going to get through this, because you moved the heart of a classmate that I hardly know to give me a call to tell me that he's praying for me for some reason. That gives you confidence, doesn't it? See, it, one of the things that would be wonderful is, is as we face the stuff that we face, and remember I told you, we're going to face it, right? We, we, what's the assumption? We're going to suffer. The Bible assumes that you're going to what? You're going to suffer. You're going to go through. Does everybody understand that, right? Everybody understand that? Nobody's assuming here that everything's going to be hunky-dory, roses, and, and wonderful ice cream without gaining weight. Nobody, under, nobody assumes that, right? We, we assume that there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be struggle. Now, here's what we need to have in our church, is that, you know what, as I'm going through it, I know that i got a family that prays for me. And I can get through this, because i got a family that prays for me. Because I can mention it to them, and I know that there will be some people there who will what? Pray for me. See, this is, this is the source of his confidence. And it wasn't just the prayers of others, it was... The Holy Spirit giving him strength. It was the Holy Spirit. He lives within you if you're a believer. He lives within you. And he will strengthen you as you face the things that you face. And it will seem like you can't get through it, but he gives you enough to get through it. He gives you grace. That's Paul's perspective. Man, we've got a lot to learn, don't we? Here, here's the second thing. Look with me. Verse 20. Look at what he says here. He's resting in something. He said, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I should be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. What's he looking here? He's he's resting in the integrity of his Christian life. You know, the common reaction when we go through it, when we go through suffering, is 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 when we go through it, here's, here's what most of us do, because I've been there. I wonder what I did. God, why are you punishing me? Is this happening because of this? I'm, I'm sorry. We, we automatically assume the worst for ourselves. Do we not? And that what we're going through is because of the junk in our lives. Is it not? Is that not where we're at? Paul has a different perspective. Paul doesn't assume the worst. 
He recognizes that suffering is a part of our lives. So here's what he's going to do. He, he has a confidence in his integrity, in his walk, and in his blamelessness. And you say, well, I'm not blameless. Yes, you are in Jesus. Because he paid for it for you. So he can look at what he's going through and, and rather than say, oh, what did I do? He, he says, Lord, I, I know that I'll get through this because I'm your child. And I'm blameless in your sight. That's a different perspective, isn't it? So our, our default position is always to say, what do I do to deserve this? No, no, no. Paul's attitude is, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm resting in the integrity of my life because the integrity of my life is not based on me. Did you hear what I said? The integrity of your life is not based on you. It's based on who, folks? Jesus. And what he did. See, that, that's a perspective here. Let, let's continue on. He, he goes on and he says, he looks at, here's how he looks at life. Look with me at verse 21. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. What, what's, what's going on here? He, he looked at life from an internal perspective. He looked at life from an eternal perspective. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. For most of us, we look at life from a mortal perspective. What do you mean by that, George? Well, when you look at life, you look at life in terms of what you want out of life, what your goals are out of life, what you want to achieve in life, what you're hoping for in life, what your comfort level is, what your, what your dreams are. It's all from a mortal perspective. That's how we're living our lives. It's for ourselves. Is that not true? Paul's attitude is completely different. He's not viewing it in terms of what he wants anymore. He's viewing it in terms of what God wants. He's viewing it in terms of an eternal perspective. And so he's saying, as long as I'm drawing breath, I'm living for you, Jesus. But if I die, if I get killed on the road, or if I pass away by some sickness, all the better. I gain. Again, it'll be okay. Either way, I'm either living for you, Jesus, or I'm going to be with you, Jesus. Man, what a perspective that we all should have, huh? Man, would that not change us? Would that not remove the emptiness of our lives because we live for ourselves? He goes on here, and here's what he says. Look at verse 22. Look at what he says there. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. Here's what he's saying here. He recognized that if he lived, there was a purpose to accomplish. That's, folks, is a different perspective. That is the perspective of somebody who has matured in their relationship with God. Who doesn't view things in terms of living for themselves, living for themselves, living for themselves, and nothing else, but views things in terms of that they have a purpose here for God. And that as long as they're alive, God has something for them to do. God has something for them to do. Do you realize for yourself, you say, well, how can he use me because here's where I live or here's where I work. You have no clue how God can use you even where you're at.
And Paul recognized from his perspective, his transformed perspective, that as long as he lived, he had a purpose to accomplish. Here's what else he did. Because of that, look at verse 23. He says this, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. He's saying, look, man, I am hard-pressed. I have a desire. I, I want to be with you guys, but I'm also, I want to be with Jesus. I don't want to be in this world anymore. Here's what he's saying. He held on loosely to this world and longed for the next. Can I, can I tell you why we struggle so much with the hardship and the struggles that we have in this world? Can I tell you why the suffering and the difficulties that we face devastate us so much? Because we're holding on tightly to this world. We're hoping for something better for this world, and I'll be honest with you folks, it's not going to get better. We've got, we've got a wrong hope. When in reality, our hope needs to be where? In God. And that the pain and the suffering and that all of that will be gone later on. In fact, is that not what, what, what we see in Revelation chapter 20, 21? That in eternity, when we go to be with Him, He will wipe, He will wipe what? Every tear away. He will bring healing to the nations. Did you know what I'm saying? I mean, maturity is coming to the place of realizing, you know what, yeah, I enjoy my life here, but I'll be honest with you, I long, I long for later on when there will be no more struggles, no more difficulties, no more sinful thoughts, no more attitudes. And I'm talking about your own, not somebody else's, okay? Yeah, I want a place with no attitudes. What about your own, okay? He held on loosely. Part of our problem is we hold on too tightly, don't we? And we get devastated. He held on loosely. And here, here, here's, the, here's the other thing. Two more things we want to see about his perspective. Look at verse 24. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Here's what he did. He recognized that there are more important things than what he wants. See, what he wants is, is he wants to go be with Jesus. But in verse 24, he's saying, but I recognize that there's something more needful for me. It's more needful for me to be here for you. What's he saying here? He's recognizing that there are more important things in this life than what you want. Isn't that, I mean, seriously, you know, you know what they, they say about people who go through depression, that one of the things that they need to do is get out of themselves and serve others? Did you hear me? The, the thing you've got to do to get out of the rut is quit focusing on your what self and begin to what focus on others. Isn't that kind of like what he's talking about here? Is, is that from an eternal perspective, I quit living for myself, I begin to live for God, and so therefore my life has a purpose and it's important, and so I recognize that there are more important things to accomplish than what I want. That is so un-American. 
Because in America, it's all about what you want, is it not? And what you got to have, and you should have it all. Every one of you should have the new 72-inch LED TV, smart TV at Walmart. Why don't they just price it so we can buy it? Because we deserve it. Really? Hey, you should ask your grandparents. Do they remember when the black and white TV was this small and everybody in the room watched it? How many of you remember that? And, and your neighbors came over to watch it. But now it's got to be 72 inches. Why? Because our, our perspective is so messed up because we're living for who, folks? Ourselves. But see, from Paul's perspective, he realized, look, he recognized that there are more important things than what he wants. He put the needs of others before his own. And then finally, here's what he does in verse 25, verse 25 and 26. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Here's what he did. He was confident that his life would have an eternal impact. All right, let me ask you this. Are you ready? When you look at your life, are you confident that it's going to have an eternal impact? Are you? I can already know what the answer is for some of you. Some of you will say, no, it's not. That's why I'm having a problem. That's why I'm struggling. That's why it's hard. Because what I wanted to accomplish, it didn't happen. Or I've messed up. What kind of question is that, George? I don't really care for your question. So take it back. No, I'm not going to take it back. I'm going to ask you again. Are you confident of what your life will do as far as an eternal impact? Now, if you say, well, you know the answer, it's no. Here's what I will say to you. It doesn't have to be no. Well, you don't know what I did. Who cares? Did you hear what I said? Who cares? The question is, are you going to make the decision now that in spite of you, in spite of what has happened, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of your situation, in spite of what life has dealt with you, are you going to change your perspective now so that your life, as long as you live, you realize that there is something that God wants you to accomplish? That's why you're drawing a breath. Do you hear me, Christian? Follower of Jesus. And so you're going to realize that I'm going to put my confidence in God. And I'm going to live for Him. And I'm going to trust Him that my life, where I am at, in Clearfield County, little old me, warts and all, 
will have an eternal impact. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.